Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. God is so good when he confirms that you're hearing him. And we've already had a few things happen today that have confirmed to me that what I've heard from the Lord is from the Lord. Uh, it's interesting you use that term recalibrate, Caleb. It's not a term that's used often in my circles, but Wednesday night that came up. So as soon as you said recalibrate, I went, oh my goodness, we were just talking about recalibrating Wednesday night. And again, I don't think that's coincidence. You know, when God does those things, I believe it's for a reason. It's to say, look, what you're hearing is from me. Because one of the things that I thought about this morning was it feels like celebration time. Like, I, you know, I just kind of get that sense in my prayer time that, you, you know, it's not as much wilderness and desert land today. It's a celebration. I thought, well, Lord, you've got a message in my heart about the wilderness and desert land. It don't seem to go along. But then Dad starts talking about John the Baptist, prepare the way. And, yeah, he's in the sermon today. And I was listening to, oh, that's right, John Bevere the other day whom I had, you know, didn't remember, didn't know of him. Um, Vicky actually gave me a book from John Bevere, and I'm just going to be 100% honest, it was boring. It was just boring. And, and I was kind of struggling through it. But then somebody sent me a link to one of his messages, and I thought, oh, I know that name, let me give it a shot. And, buddy, that message, it, it definitely just inspired me. And then he had written another book. He's got many of them. And that book I got... And man, I've been tearing that one up and rolling through it. But I like how God used Vicky to kind of get me to listen to some words from this gentleman. And then here is Caleb, who I've not shared any of that with, saying, I was listening to a message from John Bevere. And I must tell you that, that several of the things that I've been inspired by for the message last week and this week come from John Bevere's book. Uh, it's either Where Are You, God? or God, Where Are You? I cannot remember where, where he puts God if it's at the front or back, but it's either God, Where Are You? or Where Are You, God? And I definitely encourage you to get it and read through it. You know, when we're going through challenging times, it can be difficult to stay focused. It's easy when things are going well to say, man, I trust God with everything. I give God my all. Man, I thank God just for being alive. But man, you're going through the wilderness. When you're going through a desert wasteland, it can be so much more difficult to push in. And and guess what everybody's advice is? Just push in. Just push in. Just push in. And you finally will say, I don't want to do it anymore. You just get frustrated. Or maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. Make no mistake, as a church body, we are going through a season of uh, wilderness. It, it's a, a desert wasteland. And I don't love that word wasteland because it makes it seem like it's just a horrible place to be. But as you begin to read and study and understand what that place really is, it should become a place that you look forward to. Because that's where God prunes us. That's where God trains us. That's where God strengthens us. That's where God grows us. And you can't get to the next level unless you grow. You have to grow or you just become stale and you do become like that wasteland. You're not in the wasteland to become like the wasteland. You're there so God can speak to you and you can hear him. But oftentimes it's, it's just identifying that we're in that wilderness time, that's that's the first step and sometimes the hardest. I don't know about you, but it took me about a month this time to realize, oh my goodness, I'm just going through a dry dry patch. I'm going through a, a season right now. And we had just come through so many awesome things already this year through the church. I kept questioning myself thinking, 
I'm doing something wrong because I should be happy. There's been so many great things happen in this church alone, not to mention all over the world. God has just been moving. And so sometimes you can begin to question, and I, and I said last week, I think you should start with sin. I think you should always consult the Lord and ask, God, is there sin in my life? Is this dry place caused because I didn't listen to you, because I'm not doing right by you, because I'm not seeking holiness? And if so, God, show me that I might repent and get right with you. But more times than not, it's not because of sin. It's because God is trying to grow us. We say, God, use me. However you want to use me, Lord. I just want to be a blessing to you. I want to help further your kingdom. And then we go through these dry patches and we go, God, why have you forgotten me? And God said, I forget you. I'm training you. I'm training you. I said last week that the wilderness can feel like this right here where it looks like you're going in the opposite direction of your dreams. You ever feel that way? You think about the promises that God made to you and it doesn't seem like you're headed towards those promises. In fact, it looks like you're going in the complete opposite direction. You feel like there's no spiritual growth. You might even feel like you're taking a step backwards, that you're being ignored, that you're unloved. Those are just fleshly feelings we need to take captive. We need to understand that that is not what's going on. We need to understand that in this season, when we begin to feel and experience those things, we need to turn into God and say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? You see... You can't read the Bible without finding wilderness people. They're loaded. The Bible is loaded with people in the wilderness. God must be telling us something. And this morning I want to take you through several examples. Number one, so you can understand you're not alone. These are heroes of the Bible. These are people we look at and go, man, they just served God with all their heart. This is fantastic. I want to be like them. I want to be like Jesus. And Jesus says, exactly. Now you got to go through a wilderness. But God, I don't, I don't want to go through the wilderness. Then you can't be like any of these examples. Let's start out with one of the more famous cases, Job. Now, I'll be honest, I have prayed many times, Lord, if there's any way I can uh, learn a lesson or something without having to go through what Job went through, please, God, please let me learn the other way. Job 1, and, and most of these scriptures are up there. I think this time I just gave you references if you wanted to jot them down. Uh, you can go back to Facebook and pick them up, but there just became too many of them. I didn't, I didn't want to overload you with all the scriptures on the screen, but just listen here. Job 1, 1, and then the second part of verse 3 says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright. Don't miss that. Again, we could be going through a wilderness because of our sin. Job wasn't going through this wilderness or about to go through this because of his sin. He was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. Then it goes on to verse 3, the second part, to say, this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And yet you read his story, and it looks like God hated him. Why would you do that, God? There's many reasons, and I don't want to preach on Job specific. I want to show you several examples, but just remember that last week I, I said the title of the message was, Why God, Why? Today's title is Because God Knows Best. Because God knows best. I don't understand why Job went through all those things, but I do understand this life is temporary. It is not our final destination. And you look at the very end of Job, in the 42nd chapter, in the 12th verse, it says, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. 
more than his beginning. And you say, I don't understand that. And the answer is you don't have to understand it. My, my mom growing up would always use that word because I said so. I really hated that phrase right there. Mama, why? Because I said so. And as I got older and had kids, I made a promise to myself I wasn't going to do that to my kids. That's one of the only things that I said I won't be like my parents. And I'm not saying because I said so. I'm going to explain it to you. About the tenth time you explain it, you start to understand where that phrase, because I said so, comes from. Because they're not getting it and I'm just tired of explaining it. Why, Daddy? Because I said so. That's why. Get out of my sight for a minute. I'm about to go crazy. I got to wonder if that's God saying that. He's like, I've been telling you over and over and over again. You want to know why? Because I said so. That's why. <laughs> you know, it don't have to make sense. You don't have to understand. Caleb started out the testimony talking about you got a choice to make. Either you're going to choose to follow God or you're going to choose not to follow God. That's it. Whether or not you understand your entire uh, journey, that's up to God. And the reality is if God revealed everything that he has planned, we can't handle it. We can't handle it. Abraham. Abraham was a very wealthy man from Ur. But he had to leave everything behind to begin a journey to the promised land. He spent a lot of time in the desert on that journey. Genesis chapter 17 tells us a little bit about this covenant that God made with Abraham. And it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. There's that word again, blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Remember, Abraham wanted what? He just wanted a child. And God's saying, look, you just stick with me, and I'll make you a father of many nations. Now check this out. This is what God told Abraham. In verse 5, it says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you. And kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, if you read the story of Abraham, that was a, a, quite a journey. We start out hearing these things about how kings are going to come from his lineage. He's going to be the father of many nations. He's going to be blessed exceedingly. He's going to be fruitful. And who wouldn't want that? Yes, God, please, I want that. We'll read the rest of the story. Because there were a lot of challenges in Abraham's life. In fact, there was one time he told, I don't remember which king it was, but he, he told him that Sarah was actually his sister. And God showed up. And scared the king so bad, he came back to Abraham and fussed at Abraham and said, why did you put me in danger when this was your wife? Right? God looked out for Abraham. I mean, that guy was a king. What did he care? He could do anything he wanted to because he knew God was involved, right? That's how much God was with Abraham. But he had challenges. 
He had trials. He had to go through something. Let me move on here. Moses. We know the story of Moses. After growing up in luxury as a prince of Egypt, he killed an Egyptian and spent the next 40 years in the desert watching sheep. You know, we skip over that a lot. We talk about how God used Moses. He had that burning bush experience. And then he, he went to uh, Egypt and he, he was used to free the Israelites from slavery. But before all that happened, he spent 40 years tending the sheep. But that's where he encountered God. See, we don't want the sheep herding experience. We want to go right to that burning bush experience. But that's where Moses met God. And God used him to deliver those Israelites out of Egypt and into what? Oh, that's right. A wilderness, a desert experience. Yeah. It says in Genesis 41, verse 37, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Joseph was not an Egyptian. And yet God used him and set him up to where the Pharaoh said, Anything you say goes. I will only outrank you because of the throne. But basically, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I, I don't know how that happens, except God. Go read the story of Joseph. Go read the story. Let, let, let me just tell you this real quick. Okay, look. Uh, my, one of my brothers is here this morning, and we had a good time growing up. We might have fought a little bit. I don't think you ever wanted to sell me into slavery, though, did you? Maybe I'm wrong. And it started out, Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him. Now, Joseph was being a little cocky and telling him, y'all going to bow down to me. Now, when that kind of stuff happened in my house, you just went to fighting or, you know, I'll show you who's going to bow to who, right? But I never thought about killing my brothers. Man, they went straight, I want to kill you. And they sold him, told his dad he was dead. I mean, come on. Come on. But God had a plan. God had to work on Joseph quite a bit. And he went through many challenges, many challenges. Let me go ahead and move on here. How about King David? He was perfect, wasn't he? He didn't have any issues. But you know where David started? He was tending sheep. And when Samuel came to prophesy over the next king, they didn't even bring David out of the fields. Samuel got through everything. I mean, how do you like that? Your own daddy didn't even bring you in from the fields. He didn't think you were going to be qualified. Samuel, you can check these guys out right here. Don't you have another kid? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got one more. Man, come on. I mean, talk about being forgotten. And then he immediately went and assumed the role of king, didn't he? Oh, he didn't. Go back and read the story of King David. It was quite a journey. In fact, there were people that wanted to help David kill King Saul, and he said, you better not lay a hand on one of God's anointed. And would not kill Saul because God told him not to. So you mean this guy's trying to kill me? And I know I'm set up and appointed to be the next king, but I can't do anything about it, Lord. He had a lot of cave experiences, a lot of wilderness experiences. And God used those to grow him to be the king that he wanted him to be. Let me go to the New Testament. How about John the Baptist? 
I don't really know where the Baptist name came from. I've always uh, heard that, but he was also known as the baptizer and the immerser and also the forerunner. Dad talked about uh, he was preparing the way. It tells us that. Uh, matter of fact, his dad, his dad prophesied, Zechariah prophesied that John would be a prophet for the Lord. But that came after months of not being able to speak. See, God told him about his son, John, and then he zipped his lip. And it wasn't until John's day of circumcision that God unzipped it and he was able to prophesy that John was going to prepare the way. And it says in Luke chapter 3 that while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Where? That's where the word of God came from? Okay. And he went into all the region around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah. Wait a minute, that wasn't even the first time? You mean Zechariah wasn't the first one to prophesy this? See, God knew the plan. Why, God? Why? Because God knows best. Those scriptures finish, says uh, the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Why are we so afraid of the wilderness? Because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I got to be honest with you. If I met John the Baptist, I probably wouldn't hang out with him. He was a wild dude. Go back and read about him. Man. I, I, yeah, just go read about him. He, he's, he's unreal, but he was in the wilderness where God spoke to him. And guess what John got to do? He got to baptize Jesus. Listen, I've gotten to baptize people. Never anybody of Jesus' caliber. I mean, that's unreal. So, again, the things that can come out of us going into the wilderness and listening to the Lord. I started all this saying you're not alone. The Bible is full of our heroes that had to meet God and find God in the wilderness. Yeah, how about Paul the Apostle? <laughs> not, not just Damascus. He, he met God on the road to Damascus. But look at Galatians 1, 11 through 17. Paul says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and then returned again to Damascus. I don't know if you're familiar with Arabia, but it's a desert land, a desert land. How about another John, John of Patmos, or John the Revelator? We read about him in the book of Revelation. Revelation 1-9, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Let me back up real quick. I, John, both your brother and companion, both your brother and your friend, in the name of tribulation. John, why are you talking about tribulation, man? It should be in the time of 
you know, roller coasters and uh, carnivals and swimming pools and fun. No. Tribulation and kingdom and patience. You know, you could really grow to hate that word. But be careful. We need patience. The patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God. Why was he on the island of Patmos? For the word of God. That, that was that was the whole reason that God had him there was for the word. The reason you're going through your desert place, the reason you're going through your wilderness is God's got something to tell you. God's got something to do inside of you. Let him do that. Listen to him. How about one, one or two more here? About a man named Jesus. God wouldn't bring Jesus to the wilderness. We talked about it last week. Matthew 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. He wasn't led by the devil. He wasn't led by man. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, I left that part in there for this right here. The tempter didn't come those first 40 days. So what was God doing with Jesus? Why couldn't he just put him there and say, all right, just a minute, you're going to get a visitor. I'm going to need you to speak the word and we can move on with life. He could have taken care of that in an afternoon. 40 days he was out there in the wilderness because God was preparing him for what was to come next. God was preparing him for what was to come next. Then we get to the apostles of Jesus. So when we talk about the disciples of Jesus, most of us think of the 12 disciples. Those are really the apostles of Jesus, right? They were disciples. There were a ton of disciples. That's what we got to remember. Jesus had a lot of disciples. He had 12 main disciples that he really poured into, really poured into. And so the apostles of Jesus, Mark 6, 30 through 32, it says this, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place. A what place? A deserted place. And rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Why would God tell them to go to a deserted place? Because they needed rest. You see, that wilderness time, that desert time is a time of rest also. It's the time to recharge your batteries. Because guess what? There's more work coming. There's more things to come. Do you realize that this event right here preceded the feeding of the 5,000? And by the way, that's just 5,000 men according to the Bible. There's way more than 5,000. Listen, I've had fish before. It may not look like it, but I've had fish <laughs> and bread. They had five loaves of bread, two fish. We had a party not too long ago with 30 people. I don't believe we'd have gotten it done with five loaves and two fishes. And there were 5,000 men alone. And not only did they feed everybody, they had leftovers. Leftovers. I have to make an announcement at every men's breakfast. Hey, just take a little bit the first time through. We've had a couple of issues where people are just piling on and there are no leftovers. But yet, this miracle happened after Jesus told them to get some rest. 
The disciples were chosen by Jesus after he went into the wilderness. See, God's going to do things, but you got to get in the wilderness so God can prepare you for what's to come. There is a time for us to work, but there is also a time for us to rest. There's soon going to come a time for us to work again. Don't you worry. There's soon going to come a time for us to work again. You know, we've done several things here at the church already. We've got things planned and organized. We're going to do another back-to-school outreach. We're going to do a Thanksgiving outreach and a Christmas outreach. We're going to help our community and bless them. That's just the things we have scheduled, right? We're going to do a night of worship on Halloween. We're going to put out praise and worship in the atmosphere and just uh, bless the Lord and ask him to come and overtake that night. We have things planned, but sometimes we need to rest. So I want to encourage you, your own personal life is going to mimic this. There are going to be times you need to work and pour in and minister, but there's going to be times you need to pull away, you need to rest. And I want to encourage you, over the next couple months, take some time to rest. Take some time to rest. Don't abandon the things of the Lord. That's what this is for, right? It's for the Lord to pour back into you. Keep reading. Keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord during this time, but pull back a little bit. Have some fun with your family. Have some fun, you know, just uh, alone. But enjoy that experience. In fact, in July, just so you know, uh, we'll, we won't have children's ministry on Sundays in July. Let me rephrase that. We will have children's ministry. We're going to do it here in the sanctuary. We're going to all get involved and love on these kids. We need to give the workers a break. We need to let them rest. We need to let them be a part of the entire service and not have any obligations or anything to worry about. They need to rest. That's not a time for you not to bring kids. Bring them. Let's teach them. Let's go over there and wave flags with them. Let's go show them how to take communion and what's that, what that's all about. Let's show them how we give tithes and offerings. Let's teach the children what church is all about, what the Christian walk is all about. Resting doesn't mean that you're lazy. Resting doesn't mean that you're idle. Resting doesn't mean you're not doing anything. And it definitely don't mean God's not doing anything. But there's a time to rest. How am I doing on time? Let me see if I can finish this up. The wilderness does not have to be a negative experience. And this is the point I want to get to. And I'll, I'll, I'll make this point here and then I'll, I'll bring it to a close for today. Too many times we get to feeling like it's a chore to do anything of the Lord. Sometimes it's difficult just to get up and want to go to a service, whether it's a Sunday morning service, a Wednesday night or a Friday night Bible study, a prayer meeting. Sometimes it's just difficult. You know, and when that starts happening each time that we think about the Lord, we can be assured that we're going through a season of desert, of dryness. And what happens is we can begin to get negative with that experience. And we can go back to last week's message and say, why, God, why? Instead of saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to trust you. Show me how to not have a negative experience during this time. Lord, show me what I need to know. Help me to have that peace that passes all understanding. Help me to have the joy that you promised, Lord God. In fact, he wrote about it in his word. Let me, before I go there, let me just tell you what John Bevere said. John Bevere said, the wilderness is the place where God tests, humbles, strengthens, and refines us. It's where he molds godly character in us. It is the preparation ground for future fruitful work in his kingdom. That's what this time is about. Isaiah 51.1 Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. 
That word follow can also be translated as pursue. When you pursue the Lord, that quarry, that's that place where, you know, typically it's a deep pit and that's where they pull the stone and the other materials that need to be extracted and then they need to be worked on. Hewn means to be shaped. See, God is shaping you. Shaping you. Isaiah 64, 8 tells us, but now, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you our potter, all of us are the work of your hand. You got to know who you are. Why am I going through this, God? Because God knows best. He knows what he's making. You ever seen people chisel something or cut something, whether it's out of wood or ice or stone? I mean, you know, when they start, I, I can't see anything. It doesn't make any sense. And when you fast forward to the finished product, you go, you made that out of a block of wood? You made that out of a block of ice or stone? But that, that, that person that created it, they saw that vision the whole time. Every piece they were cutting off, they knew why they were cutting that piece off. They knew what they were chiseling. They knew what they were doing. And when that finished product came about, they were not surprised. That's our God. God knows everything he's chiseling off of you is for that end finished product. Just because you're being worked on, just because you're going through a desert land doesn't mean you've done something wrong. In fact, the majority of the time, it means you're doing something right because God is ready to prepare you for what is next, for what is next. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. We've got to count it all joy or it's going, to, it's going to be a miserable ride. It's going to be a miserable ride. Let me just close with this right here. Let me just summarize what we've been talking about today. I think you're getting the picture. I think you're understanding I spoke with somebody a couple weeks ago. Actually, I'm sorry, it was last week. And they were talking about the sermon that God laid on my heart. And they'd been asking the Lord, God, I need a word from you. I need you to speak to me. Lord, you give me words for other people and I deliver them. I'm faithful with that. But Lord, I, I don't feel like I've gotten a word from you in a long time. Lord, I need a word from you. And they came faithfully with expectation to church and through our worship, nothing. God didn't give them a word. Then we gave some testimony. We had some altar call. We did some other things. No word. And about that time, they, they were this close to checking out. This come from their, their lips, not mine. They were just about to check out. And then I got up and I preached the word the Lord had put on my heart, talking about that dry place. And all of a sudden, it was like rushing water. They'd been so thirsty in that dry place, and God spoke to them. They were looking forward to a different part of the service, and when it didn't come the way that they wanted it to, they started to give up hope and get frustrated. Let me encourage you, don't give up hope. Don't get frustrated. Stick with it because you know what? God is always on time. God is always on time. I want to remind you what we've talked about here today. You are not alone. You're not alone. The Bible is filled with people that had wilderness experiences. And in every situation that they listened to God, he blessed them more and grew them more than where they were at before that started. One example of when people did not get 
the blessings of the Lord were those same Israelites who had cried out to God, save us, God. And God sent Moses. And then things didn't happen the way they wanted it to happen. They got in this desert land and they missed what God was doing. And they began to complain and grumble. And God still showed grace. He showed some mercy on them. He asked Moses and Moses stood up for them. And finally, they ran out of chances. They never looked to God. They cried out for him. And when he didn't answer their prayer the way that they wanted it answered, they quit following him. There were some that did not. And those are the ones you read about that made it into the promised land. So when you're going through these desert times, you're going through these seasons, you just don't feel like God's listening to you. You don't feel like you're hearing God. It's time to press in because God will provide. Dad reminded me that if you haven't seen it, there is a desert out in Saudi Arabia. Let me let me end with this. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what, you guys just go ahead and stand to your feet or else I'll keep talking all day. I understand what you're saying, Caleb. It is good. Just stand your feet. Let me tell you this right here. September of 2022, not that long ago, not even a year ago. In the Arabian desert of Saudi Arabia, remember Arabian desert we talked about with Paul? Yeah. Suddenly, water came from under the desert and gushed so swiftly that rivers and small lakes began to form. It happened in the Rub al-Khali region which is one of the largest, driest, almost uninhabitable regions in the world. I encourage you to go look it up on YouTube. The Rub Kali region, and that, again, was just look for water in the desert of Saudi Arabia. You can't miss it. It's an amazing sight. That just happened last year. The book of Isaiah, chapter 41, says, The poor and needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in the desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that book right there was released quite a, quite a while ago. Just a few years ago, right? Like a long time ago was the book of Isaiah written. And yet there's visual video evidence that you can see of water gushing up from the ground in the desert land. So let me give you the spiritual connection. You might feel like you're in that desert land, but underneath you is water. It didn't just suddenly appear out of nowhere. It was there the whole time. Stay focused on the Lord. Stay strong in your study and in your relationship with the Lord. Draw in to Him. Do what James tells us to do. And I'll close with this. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, give the Lord praise in this place today. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. 
As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.